and you're in the woods. I know they don't have like blood, but Bella would be eaten alive right now. Yeah. And not by the vampires. Good point. <laughs> Maybe they're all just like friends with the mosquitoes. Maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. My mug. Thank you oh. to my dear friend and colleague, Lauren, who got me yeah. this for Christmas. Uh, an exact depiction of my cat. Oh, yeah. I have a picture that maybe we can put up of um, me holding up this mug and my cat on the floor just glaring. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, well, if we're going to have a mug off right now, um, this is mine. A mug off. Okay. I feel if we're, if we're talking vampires, this mug, for those who can't see... Features several depictions of a half-naked and sometimes fully naked Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know if that uh, if that sets the tone or they gives you any clues into what our discussion is going to be like today. <laughs> yeah, let's get started. We are the Belladonna Watch Club. Come get cozy with us while we dig into iconic shows and movies that one of us has never seen before. It's Valentine's Day. We are coming at you with a very special episode. Twilight. Twilight. <laughs> You've all been waiting for it. Finally, we're looking at a piece of media that I have seen and Lisa has not. In fact, I am very, very familiar with Twilight, the entire saga. I have watched the films, a few of them, several times over. Um, and um, Lisa has yet to uh, to witness this, so she's coming in with her fresh eyes. Yes, yeah, so I'm Lisa. I'm the mm -hmm. fresh eyes this week, and I think it's it would be very on brand for me to have seen Twilight, but mm. I never have. It came out, and it was such a big deal at the time, and it was everywhere. Like I feel like it was everywhere really fast. It was one of those things where, you know, I was a teenager, and I was like, well, I'm just not going to read it or watch it because everybody else is. And it just seemed like it was being, like, shoved down your throat. And it was basically in, like, direct competition with Harry Potter. It, it almost felt like the people who didn't like Harry Potter were like, oh, but Twilight is so much better. And it felt like a competition there. And I was like, I'm just not going to do any of that because I adore Harry Potter. And mm -hmm. I refuse to make space in my fantasy life <laughs> for Twilight, <laughs> for sparkly vampires. I will not do this. <laughs> who are you? I'm Jenny, and I am the the uh, the experienced eyes this week at last. And um, last. yes, I... Uh, <laughs> so... I'll give you a little bit about my my Twilight background. So, I was kind of in a in a similar way to you. I um wasn't really keen on taking part in something that was just like in my face. It was shoved down your throat. Everyone was obsessed with it. Like I was never somebody who enjoys things when they happen <laughs> or like rarely anyway. If it seemed like it was meant for me, then I was like, mm. No. <laughs> a friend from high school actually gave me one of her copies of the first book, and I read it, didn't really enjoy it, but I knew that one of my very close friends would love it. So I suggested it to her. I was like, I will give you my copy of the book because it's been given to me. I won't read it again. Here, you. I'm sure you will love this. She said no. She's oh. like, nah, it doesn't really seem that interesting or like, no, 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 no. Fast forward like four or five months later and the movie's coming out and suddenly she comes to me 
with this grand new idea saying like, oh, so I've just bought all the Twilight books or however many were out at that time. And she was obsessed with it. And I want to go see the movie and I want to do this. Like, hello, <laughs> absolutely zero recognition that I had passed it along in the first place with the thought of her. So anyway, that's just a it. minor gripe I have with it. <laughs> no, that's fair. But, that's fair. I also really bothers me when that happens. Um, but I do. Okay. Okay, in case anyone is wondering, I would not call myself a twi-hard. I enjoy this movie. I enjoy the second movie. I don't really like the later ones. I didn't much enjoy the books, but this and the second film have a special place in my heart, and I'll get into that a little bit later on, um, for not so much the story, but everything else <laughs> about the films. So, yeah, so I'm not I'm not a huge huge fan. I'm not going to like run into battle for Twilight, but I do think it has for me anyway some some qualities. Which leads me to ask, of course, uh so what did you think? Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, this is like the worst movie I have <laughs> probably ever seen in my entire life and i don't want to come in here and like completely dump on like people's favorite but it is renowned for being horrible so it's not like i'm taking something that is you know has accolades <laughs> i i am conscious of the fact that it is very popular and i don't want to mm -hmm. be too offensive but when i say it's the worst movie i've ever seen in my life there is no exaggeration there for me. So <laughs> I first started watching it. So we just got back from holidays, super jet lagged. The idea of having to stay up like really late and watch this movie is was not happening for me. So I had to watch it a little bit after work and then take a break and then watch the rest. So I watched the first 45 minutes and like nothing happened. And then I was dreading and like, why do I have to come back and watch the rest of this movie? What have I done? <laughs> oh, why? no. Why do I have to do this? Um, I just like, I'm dumbfounded at the acting and the script and the, like, I know that the book is better than the movie. Just that's how it always is. Oh, you're. I'm shaking my head and mouthing. Um, I, no, no. Okay, I really I hate the book. About it this week, and two people said that the book is way better. Three people actually told me that the book is Ooh, way better no. than the movies. No, hard disagree. Okay, <laughs> I think it's a appalling book. And so I hated it. I hated like I was just like jaw dropped the entire time <laughs> I was watching this movie. But then the following day, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It just like wormed its way in and it wasn't like me reeling over how bad it was. It also wasn't me thinking about how much I liked it. Like it was none of that, but it was just like this presence in my brain. And Ooh. I'm like, I guess that's how pop culture <laughs> works because mm -hmm. now I just, I keep thinking about it and I feel like now I like understand and, and there's all these references and stuff that I've heard in the you know, in passing and now that I understand as well. Um, it's weird being on this side of our podcast and having not been the person who's already seen it. Mm -hmm. That was weird. I wasn't sure how you were going to react. I think I was assuming that you probably wouldn't 
be enjoying yourself. But that comes from being, I think anyway, that comes from being not the intended demographic, not the intended audience, as in we are past that. Yeah, we're older (laughs) now. Yeah. I wonder how I would have reacted, you know, in 2008 when it came out. This is exactly what I was thinking. Very different. Well, so shall we jump in, I guess, get started (laughs) and we'll like get our claws in. There's the opening scene with the deer. Did they want everyone in the audience to barf? Because that's (laughs) how I felt watching this scene. All of the scenes are crooked and moving really fast and are nauseating. So the first, like, she's doing this really overly dramatic, like, monologue about death. And I'm, like, just trying to keep my dinner down. Like, what is happening right now? This is awful. And I can't think about whether or not in 2008 that was avant-garde. Like, what was it? It was. I, it was, I believe at the time, the style, perhaps, of the director, Catherine Hardwick, who had previously, I believe, done a number of music videos, as well as another film of hers that I've seen is called 13, which is the mm. scariest movie mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Um, it scared the absolute crap out of me. Um, and it's very aggressive type of filming, um, very jerky, always with some heavy color tint over yeah over the whole movie was blue why was it the whole blue? movie's blue yep yep the whole movie is blue and uh and infuriating. i think it was a choice <laughs> it had to have been a choice <laughs> but <laughs> it's an unusual choice um and uh yeah it's just it's style style really but i know what you mean about just like bleh. the not so steady cam is what i like to call it just it feels like they're trying to be edgy but not knowing how to do it or just it's not like an authentic like naturally being cool it's like trying so hard to be cool and edgy and it (laughs) from literally the first five seconds grated it on my nerves (laughs) oh boy we are in for a ride (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so (laughs) we begin with some fairly dramatic voiceover from bella our protagonist saying some really heavy duty stuff. I never gave much thought into how I would die, but dying in the place of someone I love seemed like a good way to go. Good God. Okay. So we've got some teenage girl thinking about how she's going to die. We already know we're in some, in, in some drama. And so our main character, Bella Swan, she is leaving Phoenix, Arizona. Her mom is about to hit the road with her new fella, I believe they're going to go to Florida. They're going to hit the road. And Bella is headed to the Pacific Northwest to live with her dad, Charlie, in a tiny town of, what did she say? 3,140 people or 20 people? 26. Something like like, that. (laughs) Yeah. Some tiny, yes. Tiny town, real place in Washington State. And it's pretty clear that the relationship between Bella and her dad is a pretty there's there's not much happening there there's not much communication and uh, and we learn that Bella hasn't seen him for quite a while she says she used to spend two weeks every summer there growing up but she hasn't been back in years he they drive on the lawn and I hate that <laughs> I hate it so much 
And is it because he's a cop and needs to like pull away really fast and he can't like reverse into the driveway? The lawn is like covered in tire tracks, like over and over. It's mud <laughs> and tire tracks. And so I'm like, bro is on his lawn all the time. Is that a Washington thing? Like, <laughs> it's, it's a Forks thing. It's a small town a thing. Must thing. be. Listen. I'm not here for the standard North American lawn, but dude, like I was just like, ew, what are you doing? <laughs> the truck though, Bella's truck, I adored. Imagine. Oh my God, right. Any first thoughts about Charlie? I actually really like Charlie. He he plays it really cool with his daughter being insane like mm-hmm. at various times. He's very much the like father who doesn't know how to talk to his daughter about things because they don't have the, you know, the relationship like you were saying. But I, I like him. And you can tell that he cares a lot. He's not overbearing though. He could easily be like absolutely not and like, you know, lock her in her room for all. <laughs> but um, I like him. Charlie is my favorite character in the entire franchise. Amazing. I adore him he gets better and better as far as i'm concerned um he reminds me of my dad in so many ways <laughs> i agree i his performance billy burke's performance is so it's like it's understated and i feel like he belongs in the film whereas some of the other characters just the tones and the performances are so off it's like they're all living in his world and everyone else is just sort of like coursing through <laughs> But yeah, um, I have I, yeah. I absolutely love him. I think the performance is brilliant. And I think it was a really interesting choice to to have a similarity, I think, between Bella and her dad. Them both being quiet, not so great at communicating. Um, and they're the ones who are put together in the same house. Mm, and mm-hmm. I think it's really charming um to see the efforts that he does go to to like make her comfortable because it's not like this is a totally new place she's never been before. She's been to this house. And so her room, her bedroom where she's staying, it still has all of her old artwork, her old books, you know, teddies. And he asked for help from the lady at the store to get like bed sheets and duvet cover and things. And like he's putting in effort to show that he cares about her, but it's not coming through in words because he doesn't use words. And that is a very, to me, dad thing to do <laughs> and uh yeah he he feels very uh, he's he's a very familiar dad to me and i like that she doesn't really rebuff those efforts like hmm. you know with the purple sheets and stuff like they're not nice sheets and they're not kid sheets either they're very like <laughs> elderly lady sheets to, in my opinion as a teenager i would have been like Okay, whatever, dad. But she just was like, yeah, thanks. Purple's great. Like, she just rolls with it and, like, lets him. So I thought that that was really nice of her. Oh, yeah. They're not antagonistic. They're just like, okay, well, we're both in this situation together. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And I, on that note, like, I really, I love the mom. I thought she was really fun. And I I can see how, yeah, Bella and her dad are like so similar. And then you've got the mom who is like way out there. You know, she's bubbly and perky and, mm-hmm. and adventurous and all of that stuff. And how that would have been probably something attractive. Like that, that balance in the relationship for like the two of them, like would have mm-hmm. made sense at first. And how even like in parenting, Bella having the different dynamic too, because 
she was chatty and wanted to talk about boys and, you know, like all of that stuff. And so it was just kind of fun to see the different personalities there. Definitely. Well, speaking of different personalities, let's follow Bella to her first day of school, uh, which actually begins on the driveway, um, I think. We meet a friend of Charlie's. Um, what's his name? Billy. Oh, of course. Billy Black and his son, Jacob. And Jacob. we see a whole new a whole new side of Charlie all of a sudden. He's oh like goofing off, having a chat with, with his buddy. And yeah, then they're yeah, like and here laying on the road. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kicking around. So we've got uh, Billy Black in his wheelchair, who is just oozes personality and I don't I, an interest and just he is he's just such a cool guy. I think he um, unlike unlike Charlie is sort of forthcoming and chatty and welcoming straight straight off the bat. By his side though is little Jacob. So thoughts? Okay, so just from having been alive. I am aware that there's like Team Edward, Team Jacob stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing it. Jacob was very <laughs> nice and friendly. And, you know, teenage boys can be super awkward. And, and you know, but he was just like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Like, hey, I helped build this truck. Like, he was just like chatting and casual. Like, they were, he was comfortable. Yes. Not much in this movie has been comfortable yet. <laughs> mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he just was a lot more like casual than I was expecting him to be. Like, yep. I, I'm used to awkward, shy people and, like, not knowing how to interact and, like, meh, like, yeah, I remember, I think we hung out once and made mud pies. Like, that's kind of what I expect from first meetings, I guess. But I, don't, I was surprised. But also, I don't see the fuss. Again, I'm not a 17-year-old girl. So the, like, Taylor Lautner, I don't, I don't see it. You also haven't seen New Moon yet. Okay. That is the Jacob movie, which I'm hoping we'll actually watch. Are you? All right. I mean, we'll talk about this later. We'll get to there later. Um. Right. So. <laughs> My so, husband some, wants to watch the rest of the movies. Does he? Oh well. All right then. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Thanks, um, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes. Yeah, so Jacob is finally our first example of another kid but unfortunately her, her one kid doesn't go to bella's school he lives Oops. on the reservation equilute reservation so goes to a different school so just like just like bella we need to meet a whole bunch of new people and we <laughs> so she pulls in in her great old-fashioned truck into the parking lot of forks high school and we are suddenly just about bombarded with teenagers inundated they're everywhere she rocks up in her truck and everybody's staring at her and i think she's like just realizing that like maybe the truck is an eccentric choice because at first she's like really excited about it mm -hmm. and then it's that moment of like being pumped about something but then second guessing yourself because everyone's staring at you and you're like oh i was i was i i feel self-conscious now oh okay mm -hmm. when so the I first words she her. hears is from this guy uh tyler i think his name is nice ride like, oh, <laughs> do you actually mean, oh. Right? Are you, you making fun that. of me or do you mean it? Like, I don't know what's yeah. going on here. <laughs> but we meet all the rest of the kids. So we've got, okay, what are their names? <clears throat> uh, Eric Yorkie is the name of the kid with the great 2008 emo haircut. I laughed out loud. I, like, <laughs> full belly, like, cackled when I saw <laughs> this Eric with his hair. It was just, <laughs> like, transport me to 2008. 
2007, 2006, like backyard mm-hmm. scene parties, mm-hmm. which we went yeah. to for the record. Yes. Yes. Just the <laughs> once. Just the once. Because then what? Did the police come? Somebody had to break it up. Or like I think the, they the came whole thing after got- we left. Okay. Yeah. There must have been I have rumors then. not been to, I've not been to a party that's been broken up by police while I was physically there. So <laughs> unless you stayed and I left. But oh no no no! We went to Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> How Canadian! We did. <laughs> we also meet Mike Newton. Uh, we meet him by Bella, clumsy and awkward as she is, uncoordinated, whaps a volleyball into his head. Mm-hmm. I actually really like like her little quip about being pale and like from Arizona, and maybe that's why they kicked me out. I thought that was it was like an unexpected wit from her yeah at this point we haven't seen any of her personality that's right that's right yeah Yeah, i agree i i i think i think she gets too much vitriol from from audiences who just say like she has zero personality there's nothing there no she does i think she's got there's there's more to bella than people give her credit for but um yeah there's a dry wit there the dry humor that i just doesn't always have the opportunity i think to like actually let it out she's always in such drama all the time (laughs) (laughs) We also meet um, two awesome girls, Jessica Stanley and Angela Weber. Jessica, played by Anna Kendrick. Two thumbs down. Do not like Anna Kendrick. Two thumbs down. At all. Oh, I love her in this. I've never seen her in anything else, but I love her in this. Um, I don't love her in this. I find her obnoxious at AF. Oh, I find her. Yeah. I think she is fully credibly obnoxious. She is so many girls that I recognized from high school. Yeah, Absolutely. and I would not have liked her at all. Oh, no, not I wouldn't have liked her. Bit. But she just, I think she plays it really, really, really well in that. Sure, she, is she plays inferior. it well, but it's almost like she plays it so well that I just assume that's who she is. It just feels like she's just being Anna Kendrick. Oh, no. <laughs> and I don't like that. Also, this is just like shallow and mean, but she has no lips. That's yeah, true. so um, that bugs me just a little bit. And that's not her fault. And I'm sorry for Fair being enough. so mean. But yeah, no, no Anna Kendrick. Mm. Not a fan. Fair. That's fair. No. Um, but Steve what I, I like a about pretty hardy debate actually about this. He is oh, team really? Anna Kendrick. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Apparently he likes a lot of things about this that I did not. <laughs> okay. He's all in. No, I like um I really, really, really like all of the performances from all of the kids, let's quote kids, like all of the, the students, like the, the students, yeah. the, the gang of folks that, that Bella meets, because suddenly we have personalities and senses yeah. of humor and diversity and just like they they have their own like little relationships and backstories and things going on. But unfortunately, we get stuck in the story of the least interesting characters of the whole thing. <laughs> I would love to know how this whole thing played out from Jessica's point of view, from Mike's point of view. Like, I would I love, love Mike. Mike was awesome. He was. Yeah. Yeah. I think he yeah. was not. I don't remember there being much support for him back in the day. But okay, that might be. I feel like possibly in the books, he wasn't quite as likable. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a huge. I thought he was like just fun, like a normal, nice kid. Yeah. And not. Yep. A creepy, staring psycho boy. I think. Um, I think in the in the arguments that some people have of Twilight being a film where there are no personalities, 
there's, you know, there are no interesting characters at all. I think they that tends to totally sideline the the school and the students because I think their performances are great. They're very realistic. They're very believably teenage. And yeah. I think actually this is this is going to be one of my things in support that I that I enjoy about this film. I think there is a lot of attention paid to the awkward mundane, as in the little side conversations or weird sort of vocal quirks or, um, you know, like chewing on your finger or something. Those, I I believe, serve the story and serve the character. And we're going to see a little bit more of that later. Like Bella and her dad are having dinner at the diner. They're awkward. They both reach for the ketchup together and they have like a hitting knuckles. And that's not like a sort of sparking romance of like, oh, ah, no, it's not romance. It's, oh, we both reach for the ketchup. It's awkward, but it's, there's a point to it. They're, they don't use their words. They're not chatting. It's just, okay, we've gone out to eat because this is our routine and we're building tradition now. And I, I really like that about the film. We don't see that very often in like big features, big films. I think things feel very like performancey and very glossy. Um, and I think we see that more in like smaller independent films, like focusing on the little details and character quirks that are that feel very realistic. That's something I appreciate about the film, but I understand a lot of people just see it as like, this is so awkward and annoying, but I like it. So I liked it when it came to like Bella and her dad in, in scenes like that, because it is a way of demonstrating that they haven't found their rhythm yet, that they aren't used yeah. to one another's patterns and habits, and they're still just kind of working through that. I didn't like it when it came to them trying to use it for the like Edward Bella dynamic because they, ah, I don't know. Like it was just, <laughs> I think it was because they just tried to make it seem so intense and without having their like inner monologues of like their thought processes, they assume that the audience knows what's going on. And like, you can kind of infer it by how hard they're trying to make it seem like it's this like intense. And that takes the yes. believability way out of it. <sighs> We've got to finally get to our, um, I don't even know what to call him. Our supposed, uh, hero. Main um, male character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Edward Cullen. So yeah, so it's, we're at the high school, it's lunchtime, we've met all the, all our friends, our classmates, and in come the Cullens, who stand out like sore thumbs, like beaming sore thumbs, because the makeup is atrocious. The makeup oh and lighting God. do not play well together at all. Makeup, lighting, wigs do not play well together at all. They do and eventually in the later things. <laughs> and the blue filter, exactly. But we meet Emmett and Rosalie, Alice. Alice, and Jasper, and on his lonesome, Edward Cullen. So uh, I was surprised here. I didn't yes. know there were lots of Cullens. I, oh, okay. I had no idea. And I was like, oh, I wrote it down in my notes. I was like, wait, there are five Cullens? Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know anything about this. So coming in completely fresh, that surprised me. I was like, okay, okay, okay. They are a strange thing to wrap your head around, to be forced to wrap your head around right at the at the start. Um, Angela and Jessica make it clear how weird it is in that, like, Dr. Cullen, Carlisle, uh, is this, like, foster dad slash matchmaker. 
And yeah, they're like, they're kind of siblings, but they're not. They're together. And Angela says, but they're not actually related. And Jessica says, but they live together. It's weird. And it is weird. And I think we're expected to just sort of get over how weird that might be. ASAP. <laughs> just quickly. Yeah. No, yeah. They, just, they all exist. It's so that they can all exist in the same group. But try not to think about it as like a family, I guess. It was extremely weird. And I can't imagine the choice of like the, you know, Dr. and Mrs. Cullen. If they're trying to be subtle and they're trying to be like assimilating into high school life, why that's a choice that they allowed. If we're going to be here and in high school, just be like normal kids, not this weird vampire orgy family like <laughs> i agree yeah they they're definitely not very stealthy with it um very odd choices so edward thoughts he is not attractive at all at all and again i was trying to look at it from the perspective of a young teenage girl still wasn't seeing it he is so awkward and his face is so big and his head is so big for his tiny little body. <laughs> and I just, just, okay. Does he have a prosthetic, like something in his mouth? Is it teeth or does his like upper lip just like protrude like that a little bit? I think it must just protrude like that. Cause I don't think he's got any reason for prosthetics. I was like, are they trying to make him look like a little bit more of like a vampire by like making his like mouth do something because it was know. bad? Is that just his I think face? I know that, well, to me anyway, it's very, very clear that he's struggling a bit with putting on an American accent. And I think that makes his mouth do some funny things. But I agree, even when he's not talking, there's still something mm -hmm. funny going on. He's got like so. a... Like a um, like a pout, but only from the top. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a top pout. I, I believe as well uh, that he was <laughs> one of his one of Robert Pattinson's uh, character inspirations was James Dean. Um, and okay. We get some James Dean things going on, and I guess this kind of pouty, sort of strained face of. <laughs> tortured and thoughtful doesn't always work um no shall i tell you about my edward story then sure i am bring it bring it on let's hear it we'll get to the the teams i suppose a little later on when when and if we get into new moon um because at the moment jacob is just like not even there i was never and will never be able to be team edward and when i was reading the book i felt like it only really worked if you could be team edward because unfortunately, the book and the film are both done from Bella's point of view. So we are forced, <laughs> we are cursed with seeing the whole story and the world from the point of view of a clumsy, romantic, awkward, obsessive 17-year-old girl who is troubled and yeah. And so you have to fall in love with him. Or like it only works if you fall in love with him. And I absolutely did not. I've mentioned before that I'm a huge Buffy fan. Buffy's first love, I suppose. We get Angel, who is a brooding, tall, dark, mysterious vampire, right? Um, and Edward came along a little bit after a brooding, tall, dark, mysterious vampire, as we soon find out. 
By the way, he's a vampire. At the time I was reading it, I had just started my first relationship with Adrian, who was the complete opposite to Edward. Just the total, total opposite. Um, my first boyfriend was smiley. He was extremely funny. He was very open to sharing stuff and talking about things and and looking for fun. He would take me out in the sunshine and he would show me- <laughs> What a concept. I know. <laughs> he would show me to his friends. I would meet his friends and we could talk about all kinds of things. He was like so full of life. He's still alive, by the way. I don't know why I feel like I'm talking about him <laughs> as if he's gone. <laughs> Rest in peace, that Adrian. Version, that, that time of your life is gone. <laughs> That's gone. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So while I was reading the book, I was being expected to fall in love with Edward. But in real life, I had a much better, much better relationship. So it really didn't work at all for me. And even still, I cannot do the like the mysterious, I'm hiding things away, I'm brooding, I'm so tortured soul thing. Absolutely not. I don't want to have to work to figure you out. Um, if you're closed off, doesn't matter how attractive you are. If you're closed off and I have to make guesses about you and I have to like put in effort. Um, no, no, absolutely yeah, not. Nobody You'd, has time for that. I have major problems with Edward as being a, a love interest. Same as with Angel. Yeah. Um, uh, he he's is so full of secrets. Manipulative. Like he um, gaslights her. Absolutely. I've got written down at the bottom of my page, Gaslighting 101. <laughs> Let's talk about the science class. I have okay. some here, which unfortunately our listeners will not be able to see the glory of these scenes. I, well, let's get into it. <laughs> Imagine my surprise as someone with zero context as to what is happening. I was like, what? Okay, first of all, the slowdown of the everything and the fan, and I just like burst out laughing when the fan was like blowing her hair. First of all, isn't it like March in the Pacific Northwest? Why is there a fan on in the classroom? Why is there a fan? I don't know. I don't know. Ridiculous. It's cold. They're all wearing coats. Turn the fan off. His face, I was like, what is happening? What is this? What, like... I wrote down, wait, what is wrong with Edward? Because it's not, to me, immediately clear that it's because he could smell her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was so not this is, <laughs> this is the scene that everyone has seen the gifts of, I'm sure, or the, you know, the, the, a screenshot of him, like, fully plugging his nose and covering his mouth and extremely uncomfortable. And, yeah. There's the nostrils. There's the. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So Edward, without a word, uh, this entire scene makes it clear that he is very uncomfortable, that it is clearly something to do with Bella is very unsettling for him. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Does she stink? She even like sniffs her shirt collar to just be like. Do I smell? Like, what the heck is going on here? Think, had you read the book, um, then you would be expecting this scene. 
she wears strawberry scented shampoo. Wears. She uses strawberry scented shampoo. In the book, it wafts her shampoo scent over to him. And it's a very, it's a delicious, everything about her is actually delicious. He can smell her, her shampoo, her blood, everything. And it's a wonderful thing. Why, why they chose the takes that make it seem like he is absolutely disgusted with her? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was awful. This mm-hmm. whole scene. The acting was awful. The the scene, like the cuts were awful. I've never seen a more just ridiculous bit of film in my entire life. Like <laughs> I just could not with this part. And I wrote in all caps, this was the worst scene I have ever seen. <laughs> uh, yeah. In yeah, my life. I'd be willing to agree with you there. And I think actually a lot of Twilight fans probably would as well. It to me, does not give off what it's trying to tell you. Um, so I had to watch it a second time just to like mm-hmm. wrap my head around all of it because the first time it was just like, okay. <laughs> and like on the second watch, I I think I understood what they were trying to do. It's almost like he was just like trying to keep himself like restrained and contained so much that it's almost like he was putting on that he was disgusted to hide his like desire that's what i am understanding that Mm -hmm. he was like playing it off as like well you can't look like you want to eat her so what's the opposite like (laughs) (laughs) okay so something about like the scenes just being so bad and i know this is like beating a dead horse and everybody just talks about it all the time But it's like her acting and her expressions and his expressions and his acting, like everybody looks like they're going to cry. They're going to puke at every moment in this movie. So everyone's going to be sick or they're going to cry or they have something to say and they just never say it. Like you're always Mm -hmm. just left being like, what? Yeah. I, and I, I think that is, that is a, something that comes along with, there being such importance on supernatural effects in like so much of the of the character performance and so much of the story and the the understory i guess has to do with stuff that's not being said and these supernatural things that we don't know about them yet so on the surface they just look like people are constipated or yeah, yeah about to cry or well like it's just strange and I don't know how that could be made better and less laughable. But I mean, at the same time, I think it's kind of supposed to look strange. Um, like to Bella, it looks very strange. She is very, very confused and concerned. And like, what the heck is going on? And a lot of us in the audience, most of us in the audience are going, what the heck is going on? This is weird. Let's stay out of it. Instead, she is yeah, far right. too intrigued. She's like, far too intrigued. She just wants to know. It drives me insane. Everything about her, the the way that she's drawn to him and the way that she just like won't leave him alone. It is red flag after red flag after red flag. She's still going for it. And it makes me so angry because it's not healthy. It's not safe. Bella, <laughs> you're not making good choices. If somebody tells you that they wanted to kill you, you don't say, I trust you. And then when they exactly. say don't, you don't say, I trust you. I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out 
why Bella is the way she is and also why her choices um, may be or or feel relatable to the audience that did go nuts for it. Because, okay, Twilight obviously was a sensation. And um, by the numbers, okay, so this film had a budget of $37 million, which is a lot of money. But not for not for a film not like that. Movie. That is a very small budget, um, especially when you consider the ones later in the in the in the saga um, had budgets of more than one hundred million dollars, and they are my least favorite. But anyway, that aside, Twilight made back its budget on the first day. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, within the opening weekend, it just just about doubled its its budget yeah so we've we 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 understand it was huge huge yeah there must be something about bella that young women teenage girls and young women related to and what i think i've come to is that bella's whole impetus i suppose she's looking for a purpose i think at least the way that i sometimes relate to her i don't i maybe see a little bit of myself in her but not a whole lot but she is someone who is, yeah, she's she's clumsy. She doesn't have special skills. Um, she doesn't have a whole lot of self-esteem, maybe. She doesn't have a large friend group. It's like when she leaves Phoenix, she doesn't have anybody she's leaving behind, seemingly. She doesn't talk about her friends she left behind. And I think all of these choices that that lead her to wanting to be with Edward and all of the the appeal and the draw from suddenly being a focus, some kind of focus of attention from the guy everybody wants, but isn't going to go for. I think it's, she thinks it's leading her towards a purpose. Um, It's not a good one. Obviously she's a teenager and she's making some bad choices, but I can totally get that. And I come from watching Buffy. Buffy, I couldn't relate to because yes, she was 16 year old girl, but she, she was born the Slayer and the Slayer is imbued with supernatural powers she's special she's skilled she is the chosen one she has these supernatural skills that i don't have and so i think for a lot of young women bella felt so much more on their level what i got from her and i this is very much how i was when i was a teenager so i could see again like i'm i'm really glad i didn't get into this when i was a teenager it's the i can fix him i'm different Nobody else, like I'm the one that can make the difference for him, or I'm special. Mm. To me, it very much felt like the the classic. I'm I'm a bad guy, and then her be like, no, but not to me. Like I'm I'm the difference here. I'm the <laughs> the one that's going to make the difference for you. So that felt very yeah, the like fixer upper kind of, and like there's like the appeal of the danger and feeling like you're special and Mm. that doesn't count for you. Mm. Yeah. I think your take is a very, very common one in, in my take on her. It's, it's the, the feeling of being seen and wanted being singled out like that is telling her she's different and she's special. Yeah. That's, that's more what I, I meant. Like, because like, she's not sitting there thinking that she's super special, but it's because he's giving her the attention and he's, Mm. he's manipulating her into yes. feeling these these things, right? It's like yeah. it's not like she started out like super pompous and like I can get him, I can do whatever, you know. Like it wasn't like right, that. Right. But because he wants her, he is manipulating her, and then she's thinking that she is like the exception to the rule 
because he's giving her the attention, not mm, because okay, yeah, he's yeah. not because he's orchestrating the entire thing. Right. <laughs> and and being like, you shouldn't be near me while also being near her and pursuing her. Like Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to that. Some of his lines, he is saying, we shouldn't be friends. You shouldn't be near me. You should leave me alone or blah, blah, blah. So how about you leave her alone? I know Mm -hmm. it's difficult. I know it's clearly Mm -hmm. difficult. It's going against your vampiric nature, but why is it her her responsibility? That's it. He's doing it to clear his own conscience. So this is Mm -hmm. coming from a position where I was in a relationship very similar to this in high school. Mm-hmm. and the feeling of being actively pursued while the words coming out of their mouth are telling you one thing, but then their actions are telling you something completely different and the manipulation. And they're just saying it so that they could walk away with a clear conscience after having completely disregarded, like they're acting in the full opposite behavior of what the words are saying. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't mean a word of it, and it's obvious, and she knows that. But it's that so he can say, oh, I tried to do the noble thing. I was a good guy. Yeah. yeah. So, F. Edward. I hate him. Mm-hmm. I hate this. I also do. It's abuse. It's manipulation mm-hmm. and abuse. And I found him extremely triggering, and I did not like it. I think you're not alone in that. Bella's scenes with Edward, all of them are tense they are they're troubled it's a lot of him doing all the talking and asking all the questions she occasionally gets some questions but we get a scene of her with jacob all the gang goes to la push beach which is a real place (laughs) bella's character and personality is quite different she shows Mm -hmm. she shows her comfort and ease with her pals and with jacob and it's really really great to finally see her smile um and Jacob Yeah, I liked described. it. She was just sitting there like eating Twizzlers and like just chill. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. With her pals, with the cl- she's so much more like open and easy with him. Um it helps that he's a smiley dude who shares. You know? He's yeah. there, he's yep. the, this is his turn to tell her stuff that she's never heard of. And he tells her about this legend, this old story about their tribe. And we get the backstory that the Cullens descend from some enemy clan of the Quileut First Nations, who are supposedly descended from wolves. And there was a treaty a long time ago formed when the Cullens were hunting on the Quileut land, and there was a treaty sign that was like, hey, if you don't hunt on our land, we won't reveal who you really are to the pale faces. <laughs> I just think it's such a okay, great... So I have a couple of clips here. Yes. So we've got this one. The Cullens don't come here. Shortly after this, Jacob is like, oh, you caught that? Literally no one <laughs> else in the conversation was saying anything. It was dead <laughs> quiet. Yeah, it was kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, you heard him say that, did you? Well, yeah, nobody else was talking and there was like five people in our group. Of course we caught it. What are you talking about? So that mm-hmm. was ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. Bad script writing. And then the like flashback explanation of the, sure. <laughs> the, get the Collins and the tribes. Oh my God. Supposedly descended from this like enemy clan. What are they my wearing? My grandfather, the chief, found them hunting on our land. 
what are they wearing? <laughs> very very so poorly weird. researched, um, I don't know, 19th century thing. I mean, it can't have been that long ago because they're wearing like trousers and fedora jackets. And... <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so hold on. I'm going to play this again because was Edward in this or was it the other Collinses? Let me see. That's okay, Edward, so there yeah. is. Okay, so if he was only turned in like 18 or 1918 or whatever it was, and this is post-1918, this legend. Okay. okay. Right? Yes. Makes sense. So it's not really that long ago, is it? <laughs> no, but I feel like it was like, what's with the fedora? <laughs> what's with the paperboy hat? Like, they made him look like like Broadway newsboys. Like, what <laughs> is this? It was so bad. <laughs> what are these fashion choices from the costume department? I don't understand. Oh, but. Um, was, yes. Speaking of costume choices. Again. The students, I'd be willing to bet that like 95% of the students are all wearing their actual clothes because we've got <laughs> chucks, we've got boot cut jeans, zip up hoodies, tight fitting hoodies with zips. Um, the And like the lingo as well. Things like uh, Eric says, chillax. chillax. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Sure. 2007, 2008, like in, in a nutshell. And I, I, I love that. Furthermore, continuing on with this, the the realism and the attention to, again, this is the attention to like the mundane and the little details, I think is really brilliant in the, the, the viewing experience of this film in that all of the rooms, all of the bedrooms, the kitchen, the high school, the classrooms, they are so, to me, authentic and yeah. so full of stuff. One of them being um, Charlie's Kitchen. There's like an open sta uh, crate or thing of Nestle water bottles. It's just been like mm. opened. It's like on the kitchen counter. And he's always like drinking this beer. But his his house feels like people actually live there. Like the cushions and the and all the artwork on Bella's wall, old drawings and doodles and stuff. And and even like the Cullen's house as well is incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Me, that yeah. house, like obviously it's a real house up in some forest somewhere like what? Imagine. Mm -hmm. I'm super. I was like, I'm on board. Now I'm in this movie. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, I just actually have a quick question. So speaking of yeah. like costume choices and things and the supernatural, mm -hmm. why do Edward's eyes glow? Oh, the eyes. Okay. In a regular state, his eyes are near enough black, very dark brown. You'll notice a little later on, we'll meet some wild vampires, <laughs> vampires in their natural state. Their eyes are red. So the eyes indicate the sort of level of hunger, I suppose. Vampires with red, red, red eyes have been starved, basically. They are starving. They are, like, ready okay. to attack. In between, when they're fine, their eyes are dark. We do get that scene of his, his eyes start to go, like, an amber kind of gold color. That is his hunger and his, I don't know, thirst for her blood, I suppose, rising. And when she points out, like, mm, did you get contacts? Like your eyes are a different color than he's like, yeah. oh my God. Okay. It's the That's, <laughs> he, he, yeah, it's uh, the fluorescence and he's like blinking and then he runs off because, okay, clearly he's, he's let his, his hunger start to take over. But that is not explained in the films, is it? No, nope, not at <laughs> all. In, I was like, it's in uh, the books. I know it's a vampire <laughs> thing, but I don't really get it. <laughs> okay. Back to the car accident thing. Yeah. So after the car accident, Bella's like, She's just such a, like, a weird teenager in this moment where it's like, oh, you told mom that I got in, like I nearly died and was hospital. Of course. 
Of course he told your mother. And she's of like, course she's he did. freaking out. Well, no shit. You were just at the hospital. You that made me so like mm -hmm. Bella, what's wrong with you? Of course your mother knows. And then it's like she keeps calling and stuff. It's like, well, yeah, you nearly died. Like, I'm I'm surprised that she didn't show up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Renee, where are you at, girl? <laughs> your kid almost died. Imagine if Charlie did not tell. Like that is bad co-parenting. He had absolutely. To. There is no absolutely. no ifs, ands, or buts. And like, he doesn't apologize for it, so good. No. Good. Charlie later on says something like, oh, yeah, I forgot about your mother's tendency to worry or, you know, over overanalyze, over worry and stuff. But like, no, you did the right thing. <laughs> you did the right thing. Charlie for the win. Yeah, he did the right thing. And worrying about your child nearly dying is is a reasonable worry when it's in the case of an accident having happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just say it was like screaming at the TV. At the point where he's like, I was standing right next to you. Like, literally, just, like, actively gaslighting her and being like, no, you're <laughs> wrong. You Like, I was standing right with you. I was screaming. And then when <laughs> she's like, I just want answers or whatever it is that she says. And he's like, well, I hope you enjoyed disappointment. Like, mm -hmm. get over yourself. Oh, my God. The drama. Mm -hmm. Like, so ridiculous. <laughs> and then the mm -hmm. deep stare and then walking away. <laughs> It, yeah, it makes it makes his whole thing of like when we find when the, when it's the whole vampire reveal, and it's like, how old are you? Seventeen, and how long have you been seventeen? A while. Um, yeah, I believe he's been seventeen for a while and never grown up. Never, <laughs> if ever, ever. If he's frozen at seventeen, then that makes a lot more sense. But he shouldn't be frozen at seventeen because he still live life, right? Yeah, <laughs> or unlive life. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, like, um, I guess this is just, like, a wholly new situation for him, and he just doesn't know how to navigate it, and he's never, ever had to do this before, because yeah. that's the only explanation. Because yes. this, it's awful. I, <laughs> when they're, like, going on their field trips, she says that what's in Jacksonville, Floridians. I actually really love that. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really that love that. That was funny sometimes. Part. Yeah. Yeah. If you give her the opportunity... And if she's around the right, you know, if she's in the right context and in the right kind of, if you give her the the spotlight, she can she can do it. It's funny. And we get so little of that with Edward because it's just, she's just staring. always so tense. Yeah. Yeah. They're always literally just staring at each other and it's bad. <laughs> because, yeah, I like when we get those bits because she's mm. fun. Well, mm -hmm. funny. She talks to Jacob about these, about the the legends and all of that. And so mm -hmm. she wants to, like, go do her own research. So instead of just researching on the internet, like she does later, she, like, researches to the book, to go buy the book in town. Mm -hmm. Like, you literally could have just Googled it like you did 10 minutes later, mm -hmm. which is weird to me. I did appreciate that she went to an indigenous-owned local bookshop instead of just buying yes. on Amazon, because Amazon was one of the buying options. Well done, Bella. That's right. Very good. She tags along to this like prom dress shopping excursion. I don't know why she just wasn't like straight up like, yeah, actually, I want to go to this bookstore. So I'll come with you to buy the dresses. But she kind of like sits in through the dress buying when she's obviously not interested and does not care. And then mm -hmm. eventually says that she wants to go to the bookstore. Like, just be honest, dude. I mm -hmm. don't. <laughs> they are calling you out on it. They're saying you don't seem like you're having fun. And she only 
was interested in going with them when she found out what city or town it was that they were going to visit. So like, don't like, don't play, don't do that. So she goes, she buys this book and then gets like attacked by this group of men. It's not full on attack, but it's close because she gets saved by Edward. But it's one of those feelings like I was scared. I felt scared because I've like been there. We've all like had a moment like that. I'm sure as you know, women where you're put in a position or a situation by one or more men where they're ultimately like, I didn't do anything. I didn't actually I didn't do touch anything. Her. I didn't touch yeah. her. When, But it's like, you were scary. You're intimidating. You don't know what's going to happen next. And like, I just, it, I know it's intentionally meant to be like a salty and because that's what it, it was. But it just made me think of all the times that they would just use the excuse of like, well, nothing actually happened. So I didn't do anything wrong. Like, ugh. Just mm-hmm. made my skin crawl because it was so realistic and mm-hmm. scary. It was really scary to me. Like the whole movie, out of the whole movie, that's like one of the only times that I felt like very relatable. Yeah. And I think this is where for me it really, really hits that this whole thing is a fantasy story for so many people. For for young women. When you are in that situation, what do you fantasize? Like uh, a fantasy scenario could be like, actually, hey, I'm actually Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I can fend off all these guys and knock them all out. (laughs) That's my fantasy. Or some person swoops in in their Volvo um, and just knocks them all out of the way and comes to your rescue. You know, he's not on a white steed he's in a silver volvo but it's it's the rescue the rescue fantasy scenario and i but like he's also like like stalking her because she's like did you follow me yeah and he's like well i feel very protective of you and it's like but why first of all they've not had any conversations other than no (laughs) like there's been no relationship building here whatsoever and he's like Mm -hmm. i feel very protective of you and she's like cool a dangerous guy just saved me from a bunch of dangerous guys. Like, mm-hmm. what is happening right now? The fact that, yes, he saved her from a dangerous situation, but while being equally dangerous. Like, equally dangerous, yes. Yeah, where is she going towards? Where is he driving her to? And then he's yeah. he's seemingly being, you know, very thoughtful and saying like, oh, I should take her to dinner. She should She should eat something. And her friends are all like, yeah, okay, I guess so. No, no. <gasps> He should take her to her friends. She should stay with her friends. And that, like that, that, fine. He could say, I'm driving you to safety. I'm driving you to your friends. And that's it. Now I'm going to leave you alone. That, respectable. Fully fine. Okay. Right. But, and instead he's like, distract me so I don't go back there and rip their heads off or whatever it is. Where it's like he's being, you have no claim over her. You're being so aggressive. And it's not hot. It's creepy and too much and i they they do go to dinner at this restaurant and i just want to point out the the people in the restaurant in this scene this restaurant is so pacific northwest it is so vancouver (laughs) (laughs) i haven't been all over washington but i feel like it's very washington as well i mean i've been to seattle 
there. The restaurant and the patrons and just like the lighting and the everything and the waitress who's done all like rockabilly cool. Uh, very, very authentic. And I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Um, I was surprised. So in this scene, he tells Bella that he can read people's minds, everybody but hers. And mm. I was surprised how simple they made the thoughts be like yeah money sex money sex cat (laughs) like if you're reading somebody's thoughts like i thought it'd be a little bit more eloquent like elaborate a little bit more not just i don't it it felt stupid (laughs) i don't know there's just if i was trying to convince somebody that i could read somebody's mind it would be like okay so that person over there is on her date and she's thinking about how she wants Mm -hmm. to take them home you know like literally i could look at anybody and be like he's thinking about money she's thinking about money he's thinking about sex like that doesn't convince anybody of anything and (laughs) i thought that that scene was like the ball was dropped i don't know if that's how he just says it in the book but the the ball was dropped so hard on what could have been a really interesting scene. Yeah. Like, being yeah. able to understand people's innermost thoughts. Like, I did like Catman. He was fine. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, he's driving her home and then they like brush hands in the car and she's like, mm-hmm. <gasps> you're so cold. Like, <laughs> the most, like, okay. I mean, I guess it had to have been ridiculously cold, like no blood flow or whatever, but I can't imagine ever having had that type of reaction to brushing no. a, a chilly hand. Like people have bad circulation. I've touched cold hands. I yeah. <laughs> didn't nearly cry about it. Like <laughs> In Buffy, the vampires are typically uh, room temperature. That's weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just yeah, like, like they don't have body heat. They just cooler they acclimatize than, to okay. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I was like, what are you? Okay. Following. <laughs> um. So then she goes and she does all of this research when she gets home from her the book. Research. The shots are so bad. Like, mm-hmm. this is my, I think my second least favorite part of the movie in terms of the way that it was shot and the film, okay. like just everything, all of the scenes in this were just, it was terrible. Um. Even like the website, like, why is it like India, Japan, and then Pacific Northwest. Like, that is extremely specific <laughs> on this website. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. it be USA or North America? You know, like, what? Pacific Northwest. Like, you want one thing and it's right here. Cool. There are no cold ones in Florida. Legit. What are you talking about? No, of course not. But Canada, <laughs> <No>. surely. <laughs> the whole research scene was awful. And it felt very, like, WebMD. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mayo Clinic, where she's just like, I am diagnosing this person i and the words that she chooses from the book to google search are cold ones and if she actually googled cold ones she'd just end up getting a bunch of beer ads beer 100 percent. yeah that's all yeah that's all you'd find (laughs) and then the confrontation the next day yes Oh my God. So she's walking through the campus and then just like walks right past him, but he can't read her mind. And we're made to assume that like, he just knows to follow her where she's like, can you, <laughs> he's gonna Most people would be like, you want to, can we talk? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> she just walks away. Another cinematic choice that they made here that got under my skin was, so it's like super slow-mo and everything is like Mm -hmm. the dramatic and whatever. And then it just stops and they're walking normally. Yep. Like it just pulls you way out of the fantasy and like the drama and the buildup and everything because then it's just like, 
yeah, all right, off they went. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's that? This is this is where we're at, like peak music video effects, I think. So with like yeah, inconsistent and heavy use of slow mo, quite unsettling. Um, and these angles in the woods, and we're like sweeping through mid conversation. We could have close ups of their face, or we could have like a shot of both of them in. But no, it's this way. Oh my and god! Then it was we're, awful. Then we're far away, and we're watching through the trees. Like, how did they film this? Did they I like attach it to that. a bird or like a squirrel or something? Like, <laughs> what is going on? I just a squirrel with a GoPro. <laughs> Oh my god! Exactly, two actors <laughs> standing there, and then somebody being like, "Hold on!" And then I'm like swooping down. Like, how did they even film this without? Like, you could tell that they're just sometimes I think just mortified. Like the actors are doing it because they're being told to, but they hate it. You know, they hate every second of it. It was <laughs> awful, and this whole confrontation scene and then we start seeing the way that he moves like through the trees and how fast he goes and i don't know if that would have been decent effects in 2008 i don't i okay (laughs) good it's it's good to know it's always been as far as i understand and as far as i remember it's always been uh, um contention okay cool um (laughs) the fact that she goes like you won't hurt me and then he grabs her arm and like wrenches her through the forest and i'm like that would hurt like yeah he's hurting you right now Mm -hmm. and scary and she's like i'm not scared like as she looks terrified Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're you're Mm -hmm. lying this (laughs) this is such a weird teenagery thing that was not my kind of teenager but i know some teenagers did this they they just, they wanted to show strength and conviction in all the worst places and in all the worst ways. But I, I think it's, I, I, I can only dream that it might be some attempt at having control or exerting some kind of presence and power and control of like, no, I have the conviction. Of I'm strong. I'm choosing to believe that I can trust you because I want it that way. I'm like, yeah. No, no. And again, this no. is the pro- this is the this is the big curse of being us in the audience. We are forced to see it through her point of view. We're forced to yeah. be from her perspective the whole time, and like it's claustrophobic in here <laughs> to be stuck in 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 her. But <laughs> sorry, actually, okay. Let's talk about vampire thing then. Um, what as much as we can find out about vampire uh characteristics that we learn from this film they they have eyes that change color they don't morph they don't have like human form and then vamp face form which i was quite disappointed in because yet again let me tell you i am a buffy person i grew up on buffy i adore buffy the vampire slayer i love the vampires in that the vampires in that have their own kind of lore and then we've got like Dracula lore. We've got tons and tons. Stephanie Meyer, this is the first time we have actually mentioned the author's name. Stephanie Meyer made up her own vampire characteristics and lore and stuff. Um, yes. What do we know about them? What do we know yes. or what are we learning? Like, What are we the- learning about them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are we learning? Um, cold. They move very fast. Uh, strong. Super strong. So what else? So strength. Speed, cold hands, don't eat, don't drink, don't mm-hmm. sleep, pale skin, glittering skin. Is that what you're waiting for me to get to? I was like, you look well, yeah. like you're anticipating in a way. something. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes, they don't burn up in the sun. They twinkle and sparkle. Um, I can't quite recall exactly how it's described in the books. I think actually the description changes a little bit. So Bella says it's like diamonds. But I think in the books, it's a bit more like marble, um, like okay. marble twinkling so like under the surface. So like they shimmer rather than sparkle? Yes. Yeah. I think they're they're not so much glittery, <laughs> but they're more, they do kind of, there's like a, a, yeah, a glimmer from under the surface, something kind of like that. And and Edward tells us all about this. And he he has this whole demonstration of his, of, yeah, his speed, his strength, his everything. He can read minds. Um, Alice can see the future, apparently. Um, and eventually we find out that different vampires have different sort of special skills, I guess. Um, so he he shows us all of these like things that make him monstrous and dangerous and unusual and supernatural. But we don't ever find out his weaknesses. And I think that would have been really good for him to tell us. I mean, I guess it's not really a predator thing to do, but we don't find out how to kill a vampire in the classic. Have done this like four second breaking of the neck and then tearing them to pieces? Like, why yeah. was James that? Okay, first mention of James. Why was he that easy to kill? I know because we go Weird. almost the entire length of the film not knowing how to kill vampires, and I would think like if I mean Dracula must exist in this world right this or like the 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 legend of dracula right so i'm assuming that bella would have some kind of a thought of like okay is it stake through the heart is it you know set him on fire is it holy water yeah. blah 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 but we never talk about how do you kill a vampire maybe they do in the books i don't know but again we're just talking about the film and we don't find oh, out so you until don't know the if end. they actually discuss it in the book i don't remember i don't oh, remember okay. they might do but at least in the film no one no one talks about it until the very end we see, we only see, and or hear, we just about hear. Alice twists James's neck. Um, they pull his arms off, I think, and they throw him in the fire. So fire is one way to to kill them. But what about stake through the heart? Uh, what about holy water? Is that going to damage them? I don't know. I don't know. So there's a lot of vampire lore that we don't know about. And so they like run up the mountain, looking mm -hmm. so. Just awful. Because he's insisting that she sees him the way that he really is. And this is the part where we get to, like, the glittering skin. Mm -hmm. And, I've, like, everybody harps on it so much. And that's, like, what you heard about in 2008 when the movie came out. It was the movie about the sparkly vampires. But it's such an inconsequential part of the movie for me. Like, it comes up it's just true. once. Yeah. Maybe twice. And so it's like, why was that the thing? And why is it even part of it? Because it's not like it becomes a plot line like, it doesn't really drive the plot other than the fact that if it's sunny, that they're not at school. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that it's included at all seems ridiculous to me. Like, mm. I, somebody told me that the glittering skin and that scene with them lying down in the meadow was, like, the whole basis of the movie. And the whole story came from, like, a dream that Stephanie Meyer had about, like, the sparkly man in the in the meadow. And he was in vampire. the meadow. Yeah. So I understand why it was important for her to keep it included. Mm -hmm. But unless it actually drives the plot in another way, it was such a weird inclusion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I mean, I've already mentioned before that we don't know of any weaknesses for vampires. And I, that like that, what an overpowered creature. 
I, I think it's I think it's wrong that we have a, a, a monster, a creature, a monstrous thing, a vampire who cannot seemingly cannot be defeated. I mean, it can be, but like they're super strong. They're this, they're this. Like humans need to have some kind of way of defeating the vamp or at least, you know, injuring them in some kind of a way. Yeah. That is how I feel about like the story of some kind of a, the monster. We need to have some kind of way of defending ourselves just as far as fantasy stories go. And so that's, that's, if, if you're going to take away the, like one of the classic things of vampires, one of their classic weaknesses being the sunlight, fine. You replace it with, it's not actually a weakness. It's just a, it's just a thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a thing I that just gives, gives away their. Would, that's it. I would be exposed if people saw how sparkly yeah. it was. Then he and, needs to have he's like, something. It's the skin of a, of a killer, Bella. Oh my God. Relax. <laughs> he's 17. He's 17. Yep. This is like peak infuriating Bella. <laughs> I wanted to kill you. I've never wanted a human's blood so much in my life. I trust you. Don't. Don't. I'm here. I trust you. Don't. So that's like, okay, noted. Bye. <laughs> He's saying, do not trust me. In mm -hmm. like, in all the different ways. Like, she's trying it, to, she's trying to say, no, it's fine. It will be fine. You're not going to hurt me. As if saying it is going to make it so. That's not how it works, babe. It's not, <laughs> how, it not works. how it works. So, so one of the things that really bothers me about Edward in particular mm. is how awkward his body is. Like, even when yeah. you try to make him seem like he's doing something supernatural, he always just looks awkward. Awkward angles, awkward postures, awkward face, awkward everything. And so I have a clip here of him in a tree. Your scent, it's like a drug to me. Like my own personal brand of heroin. First of all, I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the way that he's like in the tree, but like leaning out and he's like kind of holding on. It doesn't look like if someone was just like naturally hanging from a tree. It looks like yeah. he's like been put on a little stool and like tipped. <laughs> <laughs> Like, nothing of his movements seem, like, graceful or natural or, like, real at all. Yeah. Like, he looks like a robot. Yeah, yeah. It's like the AI version of a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's no reason why he shouldn't be right. graceful like and, and, yeah, yeah. Because the other vampires have a little bit more, they seem a little bit more limber. They seem more natural. And so it's just like Robert Pattinson. Needs to be beat up a awful. few times to be a bit more malleable. Yeah. Really? What is? Eh. So at this point, like not a lot has happened in the That's movie. That's right. Like, yeah, she finds out that he's a vampire. Mm -hmm. Cool. We already all knew that. Now <laughs> she knows. And we're only at about the like halfway mark. Not even. I think this is around like mm -hmm. 50 minutes that this stuff is happening, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so then the movie actually starts to pick up. <laughs> Things start to happen. We finally see Edward slightly at ease when we go to the Cullen's house. However, 
Bella is most certainly not at ease. Uh, she's trying. And um, I just want to talk about how uncomfortable the Cullens are or make me feel. And I think if I were in Bella's position, so already Edward has made me feel like it's all on me. This is all my responsibility. I'm making the choices. You know, it's I'm deciding to to stay friends with him, blah, blah, blah. The Cullens, though, are so hard to trust. And they clearly have, there's clearly something that's like going through their minds. It's a supernatural mind ready type thing. Um, they have like private jokes and their own kind of like language. I think for the most part, apart from Esme, the, the mom, none of them really seem to make her feel any kind of at ease. And I would have a really hard time feeling comfortable around them. Um, I mean, first of all, <laughs> they're predators. They're all literally vampires and their nature is to kill me. They've chosen not to, but their nature is to do that. But also just as people, if I went to a dinner party and like this was the family, I'd be like, I don't like your family. I think they all think I'm an idiot and they're all laughing about me. Like I, I, I wouldn't be able to trust them. I feel like they're all hiding something. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, it feels very culty. Rosalie breaking the salad bowl. Are you like, what was that? That was so extreme and uh, ridiculous. And then like the next scene, there's no broken glass or salad on the floor. And then he's like, clean this up. But then there's no, like, there's nothing. You can see the floor. There's nothing there. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's, there's nothing there. Rosalie um, is the only one who is anywhere near to common sense but because it's through her and she's so very dramatic like even that doesn't feel like common sense but like she's the one who's like does anyone else see how ridiculous this is and how dangerous this is and like we've got a human in here i i can't trust her like how do we know we can trust her like this is stupid edward you're being an idiot and you are falling in love with a human and like this is a bad idea she's the only one who is talking any kind of sense and she's talking about the treaty and the whatever. And like she, Bella could easily go and reveal to the rest of the humans who we are and break our cover and blah, 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 blah. But because she's so bowl breaky about it, she just comes off <laughs> as absolutely ridiculous. But yeah. Like she's the only one talking any truth. <laughs> it's true. I love Edward's room. Mm -hmm. I love Edward's room. I also laughed when she's like, you don't have a bed. Like, you know where her head's at. <laughs> Also, the doors were wide open, and they live in a forest. That room is full of bugs. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? I'm sorry. It's humid and damp, and you're in the woods. I know they don't have, like, blood, and so the mosquitoes are not interested in them, but Bella would be eaten alive right now. Yeah. Yeah. And not by the vampires. Good point. <laughs> Maybe they're all just, like, friends with the mosquitoes. Maybe. <laughs> they're like, I see you. You know what's up? <laughs> Carlisle, like, having a very terse discussion with, like, this squad of mosquitoes just being like, and so we're all in agreement. We understand. Okay. He's <laughs> very, like, <laughs> sour face. <laughs> he is so, what's wrong with his face? It's very, like, yeah, they pinched. pinched. They pinched. He's always, like, holding back some kind of a smirk or a smile or something, but it's yep. hard to do. <laughs> it's frozen. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird that know. he's all, like, automatically... Like Bella's in her family now. What I know. Why yeah. is he so on board? After all the lengths that he takes to keep his family safe. And after mm -hmm. the literal hundreds of years that he's like 
been building his foster family. And mm-hmm. Edward's like, so I um, brought this girl out for mushroom ravioli yesterday. <laughs> Can she come over? Like, and they're like, yeah, 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 it's fine. Like you said, like Rosalie's the only one who's like, are we not seeing the problem here? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised at how welcoming they all are. Other than that, mm-hmm. they're like making her dinner, which I thought was extremely cute. And like, yeah. Esme is just like so pumped. And I think she's very cute too. And it was very sweet. I liked her. I, I like that. As a whole, the Cullens really do go against um, the, the the monster type of vampire idea that we have. And, and especially the one that Edward has just been describing. And then we actually go there and they're like, welcome into our home. Welcome into our this. We're going to make you dinner. We're going to be like, hey, we're going to put the kitchen to use for the first time. Ha 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 ha. They're all like jovial and not at all yeah. Dracula types. However, <laughs> as I mentioned, they seem to have some kind of a private mm-hmm. joke inner line thing which would make me really really uncomfortable so yeah through the open doors they go like scampering up a tree when he says like hold on spider monkey what was that line where did it come from it was it's terrible what like what is sudden this sudden mention of monkeys (laughs) why didn't he just say hold on hold on tight hold on bella Like, this is him. Well, this is him in his different environment. You know, he's at home. He's like, like, all right, well, now I can actually show off what I'm like. And if you're seeing as you're into it, let me show you. And now I'm going to be kind of cool. So here comes the James Dean sort of thing. So I'm going to uh, give you a nickname now. <laughs> and we're going to have a fun time rather than like intimidate you. But it, it is bad. It, just it does not land. No. Yeah, it did not land. <laughs> I was pretty gutted that they did not kiss in the tree. Oh, yeah. I, I think a pretty cool first place or first kiss place would be the top of a tree. Yeah. After having being like whisked away by a vampire. Oh, if you're cool. going to have a first kiss somewhere, like that's the that's the place. They're always so close. Like when she confronts him and they're talking about like, hey, I really wanted to eat you. Um, and he like puts his hands on either side of her on the rock and stuff. Like they've had so many moments of very close proximity that I'm like, wait, why haven't they kissed yet? <laughs> I think the tree was a, a missed opportunity for her. I would have just gone for it. <laughs> well, the reason why they haven't kissed yet, as far as I can tell, is that Edward does not trust himself at all, which is yeah, a but big Bella glaring problem. Bella seems to have complete disregard for his comfort level. That's true. That. So That's I'm true. surprised yeah, yeah. that she hasn't gone she for didn't. it with them like Fair. so close together. Yeah. I understand yeah. his restraint. I don't understand mm-hmm. hers. Because I don't know. Maybe she's been the one being like, I don't care. It's okay. It's okay. And I know that maybe she's she like does letting him take the lead. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she does have enough sense that like if I tried to kiss him right now, he would obviously like move away, move back, just like, and that would just totally break the moment. So like, why even try to push it? You know, this is not the right time. But but um, I want to point out at this juncture, the, well, in this scene in particular, we get beautiful sweeping views. Like absolutely it's helicopter shots. Not, no question of the Pacific Northwest. This is what I love about this movie and the next one possibly Eclipse as well. But I feel like this one, and definitely New Moon, the set and setting and location shots are just gorgeous. And I have often said, since I first saw the film, 
Um, I would love a, I used to call it a cinematographer's cut of the film, where we have all of the wilderness shots, the overhead shots, the score. The music is kind of dated in this one. It feels a bit meh, but yeah, I know. Onward, it. really great. New Moon and Onward. The the score, the soundtrack, the like the atmosphere and environment shots. If I could have an entire film of just that, so take out all of the scenes of plot, <laughs> and I would love this movie. <laughs> So we just need someone with a drone to go to the Pacific Northwest and then we'll just put a soundtrack over it. And that's yeah. Jenny's favorite movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. If, if, if you're just coming to this and you don't know me, I lived in Vancouver for four years, uh, not because of this movie, but uh, I definitely knew what I was getting into when I moved out there. And I visited uh, Vancouver Island several times and it is stunning. So I, I am one of those people who just like lives for the old wood forests and the, you know, the ancient groves and the super tall trees and the, the lakes and the cold and like the driftwood beaches and the rock beaches and things like, yes, 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 yes. After this like date thing, Bella's at home. She's on the phone with her mom and her mom being, ex, you know, intuitive mom type realizes that Bella's got a boy on the mind. And so she yeah. like talk to her about it. And then suddenly Edward's in her room. <laughs> so she hangs up the phone and then they finally have their first kiss. So, okay. I'm all about t- like the tension and the buildup and everything, but this actually is too long. Like yeah. at the point where he says, don't move, that should have been the kiss. Cause at first he was like, he goes in for it. Everyone knows it's going to happen. And then he says, don't move. See, I and laugh wait at that another, point. Like, <laughs> 15 seconds or something where it's just like excruciating and that actually yeah. takes the the tension out of the moment it didn't build mm-hmm. it it broke it for me completely mm-hmm. I'm, yeah it makes me laugh <laughs> yeah yeah because it's just so stupid <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that they were trying to build the moment even longer. I was I was upset because at this point, I'm like, I just want them to kiss already. I'm here for it. We know they're going to kiss at some point. <laughs> yeah, it breaks the, the tension. It breaks the danger. Like danger is high. He is suddenly actually in her bedroom. It's not something that she dreamt of. You know, she dreamt of him many times being in her room. She should be terrified, but... She's not. Uh, here's some more detail in her bedroom. I like her iPod on her bedside table. <laughs> it is so 2007, 2008. There's her little pink iPod <laughs> right over there. Just It was so charming to me. Uh, Edward, thankfully, well, they do kiss at last. And it's a very, very lippy kiss. Very like munching type of kiss. Thank God. <laughs> Edward does finally stop because it actually kind of does look like he's about to eat her. Um, and, and he flings himself across the room back into the wall. He should have at that point said, no, no, I can't do this. And then hop out the window. That would be great. But he doesn't. He sticks around. No, because she asks him so nicely. She's like, just don't. But they chat through the night. So if he is going to stick around, at least, you know, clearly now they're having some conversation that looks yeah, easy. They're, you know? mm-hmm. Now they finally Yay! look a little bit more comfortable in each other's presence and they're just talking about whatever. Like, we, it's not important what they're talking about because it's just regular just chit-chat, which is mm-hmm. great. The next day, I guess it is, he meets Charlie officially? Yes. I love how this scene begins because it begins on Charlie. 
and he's cleaning up his gun. He's cleaning, he's like drinking while cleaning your gun seems extremely yeah. unwise. I'm just, <laughs> just like a, I don't know if it's a hunting rifle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a shotgun. But, um, Bella brings him another drink, another vi- vitamin R. And I love Charlie in this. He's so real. He obviously has no idea that that Edward is a monster. To him, he's just a 17-year-old boy, <laughs> a monster. But he is understandably um, and and expectedly unsure about this guy who's about to... T- mm-hmm. Apprehensive, yes, about, uh, about this guy who's about to take Bella out. Bella does say, I'm going out with Edward Cullen. And I like that she says his full name. It's like, well, everyone knows who he is. Charlie doesn't argue with her. He's just like, okay, well, it's happening. He's on the doorstep. All right. Bring him in. (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh. It was like almost too cliche. Like the trope of the like dad with the shotgun meeting his daughter's boyfriend. (laughs) Like, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought that was, that was amusing. And I Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Like he said, like he's not, he doesn't have strong opinions about it, but he's very cautious about the whole thing. And so in an earlier scene, we have a few different times where he's interacted with Dr. Colin, with Carlisle, and they mm-hmm. seem cordial, totally fine. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't seem suspicious of the Carlisles in any way. He seems like no. just like a professional relationship. But then all of a sudden, he's wary about Edward. And I wonder where that comes from. Because he seemed open to the idea of Bella maybe being interested in Michael or one of the other guys from town. And all of a sudden, it's Edward. And he's like, hmm. so where does that come from? <laughs> I think for Charlie, I think it's a, I don't know him very well. He is very reclusive. There are the whole gang's very reclusive. They're very, like, it's a, such a small town that he must know Mike and the other chaps so well. Like, like he's probably known them since they were little children, right? And then the Cullens come in and their behavior is just so different to everybody else. And like, they don't, they don't seem to associate themselves with like the average folks. Like they, they clearly don't go into the diner, go to the school, but like, and I think being the, the chief of police, I, I, I think he would feel like he knows everyone in the town, but he does not know these guys. Okay. That's fair. That makes sense. I just was kind of thrown by the sudden change of like, like it felt very much like out of the blue, this behavior mm. about him, about boys when like two scenes ago, he was into the idea of her maybe finding a boyfriend or like dating or whatever. So mm. that makes sense. I hear you. You can date Charlie. someone, but only if it's someone I know. Yeah. So only if they're wacky and this- dancing around in the bushes outside the diner. Wow, 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 wow. So right after this, they go outside and we get this like weird, like coked out version of Edward where he's like jumping on the car and like being like just just crazy. I meant to grab a clip and we're going to add it just like a little bit right here um, <laughs> where it all of a sudden it was like, Jesus Christ what are you on Edward? Like, where did this come from? And she says, you know, like, could you just try to act human? And to me, he's just acting like a really hyper teenage boy. Like he's jumping on the hood of the car and in the bed of the truck. There's just like personality shift where he's just like playful, but like verging on annoying. <laughs> I'm yeah. obnoxious here. Yeah. I Like, I wonder, are we seeing the real Edward here or are we seeing Edward putting on a show? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't really get it. So then from there, know. they go and play baseball. Mm-hmm. 
the all-American pastime, which is just such a bizarre choice of why. What, fam- the what families do that? Oh, it's in the book. Oh, yeah. I think okay. so. Okay. I Oh, God, I'm not going to, don't quote me on saying that. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Pretty sure it is. But, of course, they have to wait for a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because they basically crack the clouds open with their bats and batting and playing and smashing into each other because they are supernatural monstrous creatures. There we go. Uh, can we talk about how Alice pitches, please? That was yeah. horrible. It's one thing if you do it like for flourish once, but literally every single time she pitches, the leg comes up. How many times do you think she had to do that? Poor girl. I'm not sure. I'm willing to almost bet that she did it once and they used the same take over and over. <laughs> oh my God. I hope for her sake she did because that was terrible. That was just- there- well, the big point of of Alice, as she's written in the, as she's described, I believe, in the book, is that she is supernaturally graceful. She moves like a dancer, like a sort of pixie fairy. And like it is, it's sort of uncomfortable how dainty and dancery like she is. So yet again, <laughs> we have some character choices and a personality that is exaggerated. All of these things that we learn about these supernatural creatures, these vampires, aren't things that seem like average person helps them blend in. So if it's like, she's supernaturally graceful, so it means she's weird, and he is supernaturally handsome, so then that means he looks weird. Emmett is supernaturally strong, so he stands out for being weirdly strong. Like, none of this helps. This is all, it just makes them all stand out. So they're playing the ridiculous baseball game. First of all, Esme's hat, why is it just like on top of her head? Because it's the terrible use of terrible wigs. Okay. That's what I thought. The hat is just like placed on top of the wig. Um, (laughs) It's like three inches above her head. And so these like other vampires, we haven't even really talked about the other vampires. The scene where Balin dies, we see Victoria and James. And I, I forget the other one's name. Um, Laurent. Laurent. Victoria is, in my opinion, probably the most attractive person in this movie. And has this, like, sultry thing going for her, which I think is extremely fun. Why isn't James wearing a shirt when he I goes don't know! I hate it! I don't it. know! I completely <laughs> forgot that he was topless. I suppose part of that is that they take Waylon's clothes. Because when we see them later on... I think James is wearing Waylon's jacket and Victoria is wearing his t-shirt that says, kiss me, I'm Irish. Mm, They show up at the baseball game. Why did Edward Edward ask Bella to put her hair down when they all show up? Right. Because that didn't help earlier when the, the waft. So it's, it's, it's to cover, it's to cover up her scent or I guess like, pulse points it's to cover up her scent but he could smell her just fine when the when she had her hair down and the wind was blowing through her hair so i think it's just to cover up her scent okay that's what i figured then i couldn't figure out how when it was like literally her hair that like Mm -hmm. wafted in the fan earlier i was like this doesn't make any sense edward um cool the drama is starting and like it feels really really tense i was actually surprised at how reasonable the bad vampires were like Laurent is just like okay, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. go. See you later. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. every every turn, I was surprised at, at Laurent 
for that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're supposed to like. He's an interesting one. I, 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 I don't see enough. I haven't looked, but I don't see enough discourse about him in the fandom. But I'm hoping if anyone has some, you know, articles or essays written about as like a character profile or something of Laurent, because he's a very interesting character. Um, we haven't seen the last of him, by the way. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Um, Because I really like him, actually. Yeah. Like, he was running with maybe a bit of a rough crowd, but he's like, mm-hmm. okay, I can see that there's trouble brewing, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna go. But then James gets a whiff of Bella, and he's like, you brought a snack, which I feel like is basically what I said, like, in our Gilmore Girls episodes, about <laughs> what, like, what Luke would say to Lorelai or something. <laughs> like, you snack. I okay. I I need to at this point. There's a thing. I don't know if people still do it in in TV and and movies, but this whole thing of doing kind of like a like a sort of snake neck thing when they're trying to be intimidating and frightening. But they'll do like a a head turn. But they'll do like a, a snake so neck much. thing, Ugh. and it's always like their head is never upright. Like. Upright, standing straight, you can be imposing. But then as soon as you turn your head and it's, hey, like, you just look like you broke your neck. And it happens in Buffy. It happens in so many, like, supernatural, kind of like, I'm the villain. And I'm trying to make you uncomfortable. Well, you are, but not in the way you think. Like, I hate it so much. You're having a medical emergency. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I think it's overdone. And as a performer myself, I say no. I say no more. <laughs> Let's stop doing this. Let's find other ways to be intimidating. <laughs> then things happen like really, really fast after this because all of a mm. sudden Bella is being chased by this vampire uh, mm-hmm. who has been put on to uh, like the game, the thrill of the hunt because he's a tracker vampire and that's his deal. I was surprised at how immediately like they get to the car and like the first thing that she says is like, so he's after me now? Like he's going to, he's coming after. What gave you that impression? Like that's a big, big bold assumption i'd be like let's just go i'm uncomfortable but now all of a sudden she's certain that he's chasing her i thought that was a bit of a stretch it is what's happening but how does she know that and then so she like goes to leave the house and like pack up all her stuff because she doesn't want her dad to be in danger this scene breaks my heart so sad it is so, so sad. sad it is such a sudden shift from being like awkward uncomfortable movie to suddenly like oh my god how dare you be so cruel um cruel to him it's awful yeah we're we're at her at bella's house at charlie's house charlie's alone he hears a ruckus outside bella storms in seemingly fighting with edward which you know maybe oh okay you know charlie's thinking okay things didn't go well but now i can be of comfort to her okay all right did he did he hurt you what happened like i'm gonna go into dad mode i'm gonna go into police officer mode but we follow bella up to her room and we see it's just a show because edward is there helping her pack it it's all it's all with the intention of keeping charlie safe because this is all supposed to be overheard by james so James as well has to believe that she and Edward are broken up and she's running away. She's going to go be with mom. I didn't she, get that at all, actually, that James oh, yes. is also supposed to be the benefactor yes. well, J- of this James is in James is in the tree outside mm-hmm. listening in. And so he needs to be convinced. But she, I don't think she needs to be that awful to Charlie. But it's the first thing that she thinks of. And she she uses the words, if I don't go now, I'm just going to be stuck here like mom. 
And Charlie, God, Billy Burke's performance right here, he's stunned and he's crushed. My heart breaks and i like that bella doesn't just sort of like take off with that and then doesn't think about it like the next scene she's in the car and she's actually going over in her head what did i just say i i i know that i've heard him this i said the same thing that my mom said when she left i like that they keep that they keep that as something that's gonna weigh on her like i've just hurt my dad but it's to save him but i've just hurt him you don't understand i like that but it's it's cruel it's hard to watch yeah, yeah really hard to watch yeah so that broke my heart and so they go to the collins house they come up with a plan and rosalie is still like why are we doing this for this random girl we're putting ourselves in a lot of danger for this human mm -hmm. and at this point carlisle is like bella's family now since when like, two, like a week like yeah. how long have they been seeing each other like right? this, is, this is a stretch so then they just like devise this plan because everybody's on board except rosalie to split up alice and jasper take bella south esme and rosalie take items of bella's clothing to mislead james and they go just elsewhere off. And suddenly, suddenly, this awkward, uncomfortable teen film, it's a hostage thriller suspense film. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Suddenly that so much. I was yeah, like, wait a it, minute. James has her mom? Like, how mm -hmm. did that happen? What? I don't like <laughs> this. Like, where did this come from? I did not expect mm -mm. the James storyline at all in, in this way. I thought the conflict in the movie was going to be between Bella and Edward because the whole movie has been about the development of the relationship. And now all of a sudden, like Bella's mom is being held hostage. Yeah, <laughs> the, the relationship has been developed now. And so now we're yeah. looking at something else. <laughs> now it's a um, new movie. Keep up. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and we get a repeat of Bella's intro voiceover, which now... Mm -hmm, makes some mm -hmm. sense so again we get the i'd never given much thought into how i would die but dying in the place of someone i love seems like a good way to go she thinks anyway she's gonna die in the place of her mother instead mm -hmm. so she's gonna for the safety of all everyone else she is going to sacrifice herself um but it's kind of complicated. So we get these things of Alice has a, a, a vision that she sketches out of a dance studio. And we're like, oh, why are we thinking of a dance studio? Alice is able to read the future as far as James's plan. James is somehow planning for death. This all happens very, very fast. But I'm assuming in the, in the actual story, it's supposed to be like a day, maybe, or like half a day or something. Because it's very, very, very quick. James somehow has the, the time to go to the high school and find Bella's record and then finds the records of where she used to live and then finds a videotape of Bella as a little girl in her ballet outfit and then he finds out the dance studio and like that's well I mean vampire skills but yo so it was Victoria who found the address um but also where is she like this was so important and now you're just like going to have a tea like you just <laughs> left he had the time to like sift through their home videos to find the exact one so he comes up with the dance studio because he's like on the phone and sees the postcard okay that's how he sees the dance studio because he sees like a picture of her on the fridge and it says like mimi's okay. so he's like that's where we're gonna meet but yeah he gets like a tv like a vhs and like it's her and her mom and it's like the perfect thing i can imagine him standing there like fast forwarding just like that right? no not that uh and he's like chuckling at some other part that's totally irrelevant 
<laughs> like, how did you find this? And we only find out what's going on through a mumbled phone call. Bella's on the phone with James, and he's going like, Forks High School doesn't keep some of the records of their students. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> I need the subtitles on. So Bella is like, oh my god, that's my dance studio. It's the only one with bars and mirrors. That's my dance studio. So she heads there, unbeknownst to both Jasper and Alice. She heads off on her own. Girl, never go alone. Stupid. Never go Stupid alone. girl. Never go alone. But he said he was going to kill her mom if she goes yep. with anybody else. But it was all a trick to get her there. Literally, where is her mom at this point? They're because in Florida. How did he get her voice on the phone? It's not her voice on the phone. That's also from the, from the home video. But it's like, what what scene is happening on the video? In the video. Bella, 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 are you there? Where are you? Yeah, like, why is that a whole movie? I was so confused. I I know. (laughs) I'm like, so then why is she in the hospital, like, totally normal? I think (laughs) Bella is in the home video. Bella's hiding, like, in a closet or something because she's like, oh, no, mom, I suck and I don't want to go to dance class. Like, she's all dressed up for dance class. And so Renee is like wandering around. But like, why would you film that? I was just going to say, Charlie as a mother, that's not the time <laughs> that you like pull out the video camera. You no. are, you know, like that's the time where you need to be. Although to be fair, there are some really terrible, horrible videos of people's kids on the internet. So people make yeah. weird choices with what they think is appropriate to film. So they get there and it's Bella by herself. And James is like, ha ha, tricked you. Now mm-hmm. here we are. There's no mom. She finally uses the pepper spray, which like didn't do anything at all other than just like. It really didn't. Like you might as well just used water. Why was she hesitant to accept the pepper spray in the first place? There are people dying all over town. I'd be like, yeah, thank you, dad. Thanks. I, yeah. yeah. I think it's one of her weird character quirks that is, you know, people shouldn't worry about me. I don't want people to worry about me. The same sort of thing of like, hey, dad, why did you call mom? Don't worry about me. As if she has any place to say, I've got things under control. Girl, you don't. (laughs) You don't know anything. You have no people that you know. You have no life experience. Like, what is going on? This kind of thinking takes her quite far, uh, quite far in the next film and in the following ones as well. She never loses that misplaced confidence. Edward arrives on the scene. He gets his second of the film, no, third of the film, swooping in at just the right moment, appear, boom, on the scene and be the hero. Bella is bleeding a lot from like yeah, she glass. Yeah, she got glass in the leg. So the smell for these vampires must be <laughs> incredible and overwhelming. So the fact that Edward can even like focus his attention on attacking James is quite something. <laughs> but even I don't know. Alice is, is having a hard time not. That's right. Like- and, and James gets a bite of Bella. And she starts screaming and screeching and squealing, which to someone who doesn't know what's going on, which would be most of the movie audience, because it's not explained. It's only explained in the book and what the pain is. He has essentially poisoned her. It's venom. So his bite is venom. And I know that we, we get some flashbacks to when Edward was turned, but I don't think he makes it super, super clear. He says the pain was excruciating, but that's like the turning process. From just a bite... Would you still feel that? And she's like writhing in pain and really, really, really suffering. Like she looks like she's being paralyzed. 
The music in the scene, like, really adds to the suspense and the drama. Of course, like, in every movie, the music, like... But if you actually listen to all the different sounds that are happening on set, I could only imagine how ridiculous it must have been to film this. Because you have, like, oh, the yeah. fighting and the men, like, roaring at each other. And then there's Bella, mild shrieks and all of that. And I just mm-hmm. laughed, took the music out. and was like, oh, my God, this must have been so absurd to film. <laughs> The Cullens arrive, those who are coming to help. And we find out, again, the question comes up for me, how do we kill a vamp? <laughs> well, apparently we rip his head off and set him on fire. It um, like four seconds. Like, they arrive, they got him with no issue at all. They're just like, eh, here we are, we got him. And then just like... You take one arm, I'll take the other. Anticlimactic. However, Bella is hemorrhaging blood. They only have one option to save her, and that is to suck the venom out of her blood. And control like whoever does it to control themselves before taking too much blood and killing her and that's so much as as carlisle says so why doesn't carlisle do it that's why a good is point. it why does it have to be the person who's already having a hard time restraining himself against her yeah why I don't not know say if edward would have let carlisle do it i think he knows that i think edward would have been like i have to protect her i am her savior i am in control of everything Probably. she does so i think even if carlisle had offered like he knows that like edward would have been like excuse me if anybody's getting her blood it's me <laughs> she's mine yeah we get a bit of a fake out because he just keeps going you can kind of see he's sort of shocked himself like his eyes are like on fire and which his by the way is the name is of like the song. Bainey. oh eyes on fire is the name of that song that Ah, okay. It's by a group called Blue Foundation. It is the song that gets associated with Twilight, with the like terrible things about Twilight, and it's the one with the ha 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 ha, which like ah, and that's the beginning of the song. That's the intro. The song itself is great though. It's really cool, and the lyrics are cool. But we don't get the rest of the song in the film. Oh, so no. it sucks that like the first like 10 seconds of the song are all that we get in the film. Maybe a little bit of like the underlying guitar. But it's a great song and it's got really spooky lyrics of like, I'll seek you out, flay you alive. One oh. more word and you won't survive. Like, ooh, spooky. Amazing. And I'm not scared of your stolen power. I see right through you any hour. It's just, it's cool. It's a really cool song, right? Anyway, just wanted to put that out there. But yeah, so we get a fake out and we're thinking, oh my God, how much blood is he taking? And we hear Carlisle fading saying, Edward, stop, like, stop, you're killing, stop. you're killing her. And now we're in a hospital and Bella wakes up, thank God, in a hospital. And her yeah. mom is there. Renee, at last, she's there. Finally showed up. And we get a nice recounting from Renee of her version of, the explanation of what happened, which is that Bella fell through a window and then down a set of stairs. I'm like, wow, wow, these horrible things happen. So someone made up this great story explanation. I'm sorry, like from a parent's perspective, let's rewind how this goes. Fights with her boyfriend, runs out into the middle of the night, is found after having broken up with said boyfriend, bleeding and dying with broken limbs, Mm -hmm. and it's just taken at face value that she fell down the stairs and through a window? Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. That is exactly the kind of, like, terrible, feeble BS response that victims of abuse would say or, like, do. And I hate 
hate, hate that the parents are just like clumsy Bella without thinking about the like context of her having left in the first place in this like furious fight, like with her partner. I hated it. Victoria at some point took off. We get a tiny little line that, um, that Charlie is there somewhere. We don't mm. see him, but we know that he's there. And Bella says, I have to apologize. Yeah, she, I was so she happy still, about that. Yeah, she is still feeling this guilt of how she treated her dad and what she did, and she has to apologize for being so horrible. And then we get this very recognizable, like the, the argument is recognizable between Bella and Edward. Bella is saying, I'm alive because of you. And he says, you're in here because of me. Mm-hmm. Both are true. I think never in my life I've known about it being a, a life or death type of situation. <laughs> But it just, it feels like one of those arguments where, yeah, you're you're both right. Someone has made the big, big mistake. Yeah. And it's like, what part do we focus on? One person yeah. wants to focus on one part. One person wants to focus on the other part. And they're, neither of them are wrong, mm-hmm. but one of them's priorities are wrong. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Edward tells her, you should go back to Jacksonville. You sh- you're, you're going back with your mom. And she's like, absolutely like- not spluttering horrible like she's like glitching she like fully malfunctions <laughs> it's not even a believable there's like the indignation that's there and she wants mm-hmm. to protest but it's not like, it feels so fake it was like one of her worst acting moments in the whole thing but no 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 she says you can't leave me and right. then he says where else would i go because it's like if i'm not with you why would i be anywhere else kind of thing like i think he's trying to respond to right so unhealthy for her to be like you can't leave me it's that desperate like i'm nothing without you it's like it feels almost the like threat of unaliving yourself because you're not with the other person it just is mm-hmm. like so unhealthy where else would i go because he in his head is like inextricably linked to her now forever and ever yeah yeah and telling her that if you don't go i couldn't possibly go anywhere like it has to be you leaving again it's her responsibility Mm -hmm. (laughs) it has Mm -hmm. to be her leaving otherwise he's with her forever and then they're a prom yep i i I like the we finally get another tone shift um Mm -hmm. it's no longer (laughs) suspense thriller with blood everywhere we get introduced to this shift with Edward and Charlie in the kitchen at the table and they're just opposite each other and Edward is very like he's got like a plank of wood stuck to his back and Charlie <laughs> is chilled because he's you know he's got his plaid and he's in his his own kitchen and then decides to sit upright and they're like the same height you know like oh, without saying anything he's like tell me why I should trust you <laughs> but without it. it my daughter got in a big fight with you was horrible to me he was in the hospital and now you're back in my life and Mm -hmm. taking her to prom in my kitchen charlie doesn't ask enough questions um Mm -hmm. and like right at the very beginning of the film when we're introduced to charlie and bella's still doing her voiceover she says um one of the great things about charlie he doesn't hover Mm. Which is a great thing when you're a teenager and you don't want your dad being any part of your business. But that is one of the flaws of Charlie is he doesn't stick around. He doesn't ask questions and he doesn't involve himself where he really should. That's it. It's like he doesn't want to push her away. So he doesn't parent her. Um, Her prom outfit. It changes colors. Does it? It does. I have clips. It's purple and then it's teal. 
Oh, I'm, okay. So here we have the purple dress. When it's at home, when they're like he first she comes down the stairs, it's very purple. And then here they're in the gazebo. They're in the gazebo. They're dancing, and it's teal. It is teal. That is a it's teal dress. They are it's also looking jaundiced, right? And I can't imagine that much effects to change the dress that dramatically. It's a different color dress. <laughs> I prefer I don't know. the teal one. <laughs> yeah, I I think it is the same dress. Mm-hmm. I think you are seeing some tints of color <laughs> where uh, maybe the effects of the film might be. T- I don't know. I don't know. But I believe it is just a blue dress. It's just blue. It's like a primary kindergarten blue. Paint. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. to me, that's it's like a purpley, like a medium purple. Mm-hmm. Which wouldn't be out of character for Bella. With the leggings underneath and the chucks. Yes. <laughs> That was amazing. Yep. I like 2008. <laughs> Big time. Um and I love 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 that we get, we get Edward's uh expression saying, "Ah, yes, is- she's you look perfect." And Charlie is absolutely like, "What?" I mean, it's one thing. His daughter's coming down the stairs with like a full-on boot cast. That was amazing. And she's got her dress and her cardigan and but Charlie's reaction to Edward's absolute like infatuation is very funny. It's like, are you kidding me? Um, just before prom, Jacob shows up with yes. a great button-up white shirt and a tie. Ooh. Why did he get dressed up just to go deliver a message? I don't know. He comes through the forest, so like yeah, it's he not like he needs to show his ticket woods. or anything. <laughs> but I like that Bella's like, Did you come here to crash? She's still playful with him. You know, she's she can joke around with him. Like, what, you going to crash the prom? Like, that sounds really cool. Rad. Woo. Um, and he's like, no, my dad paid me to come and talk to you. My dad paid me 20 bucks. Weird thing. This whole thing is so weird. I wasn't sure where he was going to go with this. I thought he was coming mm-hmm. to, like, ask her out or something where it's like my dad paid me to, like, I've been talking about you this whole time. And then he tells her to break up with Edward. Okay. If her dad and his dad are such good friends... Why isn't Billy telling Charlie this stuff? Why is he paying Jacob to go do that? Like, does he think it's, like, going to be more relatable? I don't know. I wonder, actually, if Billy has spoken to to Charlie about this already. Like, mm. has it has it already been happening? And Charlie's like, well, I can't do anything about it. She's going to prom with him now. That seems like quite a Charlie thing to do is, well, she's going to do what she's going to do. That I don't know. We will find out more about Billy Black and... Quileutes in the next movie. But again, this is another thing where, like, if you don't know what's happening, if you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, if you don't know from the books, then things just seem really weird. Like, mm-hmm. why is Jacob here saying you need to break up with your boyfriend? What business is it of his? And then, yeah, all of the like supernatural stuff of the mind reading. If you don't know that the col- all of the Collins are vampires and they can like share, you know, ESP thing, then it's just weird. They just look uncomfortable all the time. So really, really, really difficult things to work with in a film medium. Which I get. I had a really hard time. Like, I I never like the movie adaptations of books. And mm-hmm. I struggle a lot. Like, I love the Harry Potter books. I despise the movies. I can't really sit through them. I, they don't do it justice. They're not good enough because there's so much subtext that is lost. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so much information that just doesn't get included in the movie because it's too challenging to do it in a way that is 
entertaining and visually appealing and you know so i'm i i felt that big time watching this movie that like i'm certain that i'm missing a lot but it was really bad <laughs> mm, the toughest thing i found with the book is that it's it's written almost like diary entries from bella's perspective Ew. And so even more so, we are restricted in what we learn, um, in how we experience the surrounding world. I guess at the very end, we find out that Victoria is here at prom and she's alive. Mm -hmm. She's mm -hmm. like obviously got vengeance on the mind. Bella and Edward are out dancing very slowly or attempting to dance very slowly, dancing at prom. And Edward's like, well, everyone needs to have this experience. You know, everyone should dance at their prom. And they have this like psych out neck kiss. She's like, I want to be <laughs> one of you. Yes, make me one of you. I know what I want. I know what I want. I've grown now over the past like four months. <laughs> I know what I want. The angles are so weird. Neither of them look like themselves. Mm -hmm. Their angles of their faces are just like, who is that? Like he looks like an anime character. She looks like a totally different person. Just these weird, like, what happened to the shapes of their faces? I do like, though, how slow they take it. And they really do try and make it look like the classic vampire thing of here. I'm coming in into your neck and I'm about to bite you now. But then he kisses her neck instead. I think mm -hmm. that's that's a cool sort of fake out. Okay, it probably took me about three watches of the film to recognize Victoria. I had no oh, idea okay. who she was. She looks really different until she takes her hair down. When she's, yeah, she's upstairs, she's got her hair like up in a clip or something. And then she takes her hair down and it all swooshes out. I still had no idea who she was. And she's walking <laughs> down these stairs and I'm like, is this supposed to lead us into the next movie? Like, are we going to follow her in the next movie? What's going on? But I'm glad you picked up that it was her. <laughs> yeah. <I> didn't. <laughs> At first when she like turns around from the window with her updo, I didn't understand at all. Uh, but then- mm -hmm. And she starts to go down the stairs yeah, and takes the clip out. I'm like, okay, that's what's <laughs> happening. So yes, I will likely have to watch the second one. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm tempted to try the books. Oh, okay. But I don't know. I think I this think, is just a chapter yeah. of my life that I need to move on from. <laughs> what I, I recently read a book that was from the perspective of a 17-year-old girl, and I almost couldn't finish it. I had to pick it up like three or four times to get through it. It's called The Afterlife of Holly Chase, and it was a I wanted the Christmas book. And I started, well, it was an audiobook, but I started listening to it last Christmas, and I couldn't get through it. And then I like forced myself through it this Christmas because it was really interesting kind of like modern Scrooge take so I thought that was I just wanted that but yeah it would have been a much better story had it not been from the perspective of a 17 year old girl yeah yeah I would like to highlight some of the positives that came out of this film one of them I think being a cultural conversation about media for young women we're still talking about it and what, how, how does the general public, how does society talk about and take in media that is intended for teenage girls and young women? Because I think it is still so ridiculed? scrutinized, ri mm. ridiculed, scrutinized to a degree that media for young men is not. Media that is intended for a younger male audience is absolutely not held to the same degree of, I think, influenceability. It's like teenage girls are not allowed to be obsessive or make mistakes or fall in love or all of these things without being ridiculed for it. 
And yet boys are allowed to be obsessive about monster trucks and transformers and superheroes and all of this. And we do not, and sports. Yeah. We do not, there is not the same level of, of criticism and hatred given to, to boys media as there is for stuff that's intended for young women. And I think something like twilight as divisive and as flawed anyway, as it is, it really started conversation about what is the kind of media that is intended for, for young women and how do we look at it? Why are women ridiculed for just having a fantasy? All that kind of thing. Furthermore, there's a video, it's on YouTube, by the channel Fandom Entertainment, and it's called How Twilight Saved a Town. It pretty much talks about the positives of Twilight separate from the story. <laughs> Everything about the phenomenon of Twilight and the effect that it had on Forks. Forks being a real town and a real place where people actually live. It's a fascinating look at fandom, um, but also how ordinary people did actually benefit and still do benefit from this absolute phenomenon and sensation and being so popularized and like in the spotlight um, in good ways and bad. Their tourism economy. Totally. I mean, way, the, I'm certain. Yeah. The, yeah. Their non-existent tourism beforehand. Exactly. No one knew what the heck this place was. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Completely. It's yeah. It's a really interesting, really interesting video. I will link it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think, I think that's us. <laughs> I think that's us. We've been recording for a long time, uh, but I knew yeah. that we would have a lot to talk about. So are we agreed? Do you agree to investigate New Moon at some point? Agree. I agree. Agree. Cool. And we'll do it. And New Moon being my favorite of the bunch. It's definitely worth a watch okay. and, and discussion. I commit to at and least New Moon. I will make no promises on the rest. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> One at a time. <sighs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> We have been the Belladonna Watch Club. You can catch us every Thursday on YouTube and wherever you stream your podcasts. I am Lisa. And I'm Jenny. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Bye-bye. See ya.